Welcome back to another edition of the Champs Corner podcast featuring Mark Jennings. I'm your host, Drew Champlin. You can search for this podcast on pretty much any podcast platform. Go type in Champs Corner on Apple, Google, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Subscribe, rate us. So we've got a big, uh, big important podcast today. As you guys know, you're watching the Alabama versus Mississippi State game. Tua Tungavailoa suffered a serious hip injury, had surgery. He is out for the season. I would wager to say he has played his last snap in an Alabama Crimson Tide uniform. So Mark Jennings and I, we will, you know, break down what he's meant to the Alabama program. I know Mark played a big role on Saturday. He had a pretty busy weekend. We'll talk a little Alabama basketball, Crimson Tide. Uh, you know, sign, sign one of the recruits. They signed exactly the one who Mark Jennings told you they would sign. Uh, we'll talk the Western Carolina game a little bit. It's the final home game. That is the uh, big news that Mark Jennings broke a couple years ago and got cited by some national publications. But enough of me talking. Uh, let me bring in my co-host, Mark Jennings. Mark, how you doing? Drew? As always, you know how much I love being on your podcast. I'm so excited to be on your podcast. I wish uh, things weren't as as gloomy uh, in the football world with Tua getting hurt. You talked about that. I think I wish things were a little brighter. But uh, you know, anytime I go on your podcast, it's a real blessing, Drew. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Mark. And, and I should have said this earlier, but but happy birthday! I know today is your birthday. Have you had a good one? I have had an excellent birthday, Drew. I, you know, I've been busy working, breaking down film, you know, working with my connections, getting updates on Tua. Uh, so I've had a real busy birthday, Drew. I uh, yeah, had a lot of stuff going on. I did get out to go and uh, go to dinner earlier this evening, so I got to enjoy that. But uh, I've had a pretty busy birthday. Well, good. Uh, where, where all did where'd you go for dinner? Well, usually, Drew, you know, I like to go. It's my birthday, so I like to treat myself. I'm not going to go somewhere cheap or somewhere low class. And, and you know, I've, as I've been very successful in my career with expanding my wealth, so I wanted to really go treat myself tonight. So I, I went to Red Lobster, Drew, and got some fantastic seafood. Uh, they had the Ultimate Feast special running. I don't know if you've had that. It's one of my favorites. I don't love it as much as I love Endless Shrimp, but it, it, it's a fantastic meal. You should take your wife there. Uh, really treat her right one night, have a good date night. She'd love Red Lobster, Drew. Uh, but anyway, I digress. That's uh, how I did my birthday. I know nobody wants to hear me more about my meals, Drew. So let's go ahead and get this started. All right. Hey, did, do they still have those cheese biscuits at Red Lobster? Well, Drew, they're not Drew. They're not cheese biscuits. They're called cheddar biscuits. All right, so they're very delicious. They have a, if you go online, you can have the recipes. People have them out there, but it's not the same as getting in the actual Red Lobster. Uh, but I love the cheddar biscuits, Drew. You know me. I, uh, you got you got to be careful though. You don't fill up on the cheddar biscuits. Uh, so you got to hold off. But I love them. I made sure to get some to go. Uh, and as soon as I get near the end of the meal, I try to fill up on the Red Lobster cheddar biscuits. They're my favorite, Drew. Uh, I, if I could eat the cheddar biscuits every day, I would. Uh, this is a fantastic experience. I, I, I love going to Red Lobster, Drew. That's great. It's it's a pretty good place. I haven't been in a while, but you're making me really want to go back sometime. Mark, I, I know you've had a lot of travel. You've been in Atlanta, and you went over to Houston for two of surgery. But walk us through how, how Saturday went for you, because I'm basically sitting on my couch watching football, but I know uh, you had a pretty busy day on Saturday. Can you kind of tell us? your emotions about the day and just, you know, your, what you ended up doing as far as travel wise. Well, uh, to be honest with you, Drew, uh, it was one of the worst days of my life on Saturday uh, when I heard what happened to, uh, 
the worst, of course, is when the Birmingham Iron lost on the road uh, to the Memphis Express. That was the worst day of my life. But uh, two is probably the second or third worst. Uh, but I was in Atlanta uh, trying to trying to attend the uh, Colin Kaepernick workout until I got the call, and that really changed everything. Uh, you know, I, we were at Sbarro eating, and we were on our way to the workout facility um, and, uh, when I heard the news. So it was just depressing all around. I, I, when I was in the car on the way to the workout facility, they had six missed calls from, from Gallo and three missed calls from Cedric and two from a media member who I can't say. Uh, his name, of course, is Michael Costa Hind Grenade. And, and so I knew something was up. I called found out what was going on. I didn't have enough time to Uber, so I didn't take a helicopter straight to St. Vincent. So that's how I spent my day Saturday. I spent my day Saturday talking with the family and the doctors about the best path going forward. And uh, yeah, they took it from there. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> I saw the picture of the flight that went to Houston. I'm going to assume you were on that flight, Mark. Maybe you weren't. Maybe you took a separate flight or an Uber. But how, how did you guys decide uh, – you know, most of these players, when they have their surgeries, they do it in Birmingham. Uh, how did Houston come into the picture? Well, uh, you know, Dr. Rout is really the best at what he does when it comes to that hip surgery. Uh, and frankly, I couldn't in good faith leave him in the hands of a surgeon in Alabama. Uh, I don't trust the, the, the health care facilities in the state of Alabama, especially with the doctor with Auburn Pie. So, uh, you know, the surgeons at UAB are going around telling everyone about how simple the operation was going to be, and they do it, you know, three, four times a day. But frankly, they're just wrong and they're jealous. They don't have the expertise to perform that type of operation. So we felt it was in the best interest of uh, him and his family to get him over in Houston and have that that procedure done there. Yeah, Mark, and you tweeted that uh, Tua, you know, the – the um, excuse me, when when they released the statement, the family thanked you for all for all your help. Uh, how, how did that make you feel? Well, Drew, I just do it in service because I love the game of football and I have a passion for the game of football. So, I'm the, uh, you know, my joy comes in. I, you know, honestly, I wish I didn't have to get thanked at all. Obviously, I wish it never happened. But uh, I'm grateful for that. I've, I've known the Tongue of Aloha's for a few years now, and uh, I'm just so glad that uh, I could help them in their time of need. All right. So, obviously, this is to his third year at Alabama, his junior season. You see a lot of mock NFL drafts before his ankle injury a couple of weeks ago when he had the tightrope surgery. And he was, you know, number going number one overall a lot. Now, you've got some other quarterbacks, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert of Oregon, you know, might go ahead of him now. But, uh, you know, this is going to be a lengthy recovery for two of maybe six to eight months. Who They do expect him to make a recovery. I expect him to play football again. But, Mark, do you think uh, – do you see him playing at Alabama again? Well, I, I expect him to take the year 2020 off uh, you know, with the severity of the injury. Uh, everybody's saying he can come back next year. Frankly, I, I would wish that he would sit it out uh, and make sure he gets to be 100%, try, doesn't try to rust things back. So, And at that point, whether he comes back to Alabama or not, I don't know. He could use his graduate transfer a year. Uh, maybe he can do what Jalen Hurst did and go to Oklahoma or grad transfer to LSU and use that opportunity to get back and be the number one overall pick. Maybe it's change the scenery is what's best for him. Uh, but that's something we'll talk about with the family. We'll discuss that with them when the time comes. But right now we're just focused on him getting healthy and getting that rehab started. Okay. And, 
you know, what if he does stay in the draft this year because, or does elect to enter the draft this year? Because I remember back when Willis McGahee at, my, at Miami University, Miami had that really bad knee injury, and he still got picked in the first round by the Buffalo Bills some 15 or 16 years ago. Uh, you know, what are you hearing if Tua does decide to enter the draft this year? Well, I think the, I expect the Los Angeles Chargers to draft him uh, early to midway to the first round. The Chargers aren't having a great year, so they're going to have a relatively early pick. Uh, you know, Philip Rivers, I know him personally. I've known him from his days in North Alabama. He's not getting any younger. I think he maybe only has one year left, maybe two, probably one. So I expect him to take over for the Los Angeles Chargers and be drafted. That's, of course, if he comes out this year. Uh, but, again, he might want to stick around and play in college somewhere next year or the next year after that and see uh, see what he can do and show people what he can do. Right on. And I know the listeners of the podcast, you know, we've had this podcast since the fall of 2015, you know, a year into the podcast, maybe the next fall, the next spring. We talked to – yeah, we talked about Tua Tungavaloa a lot, and he committed to Alabama in May of 2016. You and I saw him – at the opening in, in Oregon that summer, and he really dominated. You know, Trent Dilfer, the, the head of the Elite 11, said that he was the best prospect he had seen there. Really did well. We saw, saw a lot of other prospects like Najee Harris, Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith. A lot of those guys were there. But, um, Mark, you know, Tua Tonga Valoa out of Hawaii, what are your, some of your earliest memories of Tua when, when, you know, doing what you do and breaking down as much film as you do and identifying prospects as early as you do? Well, I first saw him, Drew, when he was a freshman out of Eagle Beach, Hawaii. And uh, when you see his film, and just uh, you don't have to be an expert uh, film analyzer like myself to see the talent just left off, left off the screen. Uh, just a special generational talent. As soon as I saw him, even though he was just a freshman, I related to Cedric, and he gave it to uh, Coach Williams that got to Coach Kiffin. And uh, that's when Alabama really started recruiting him. So, uh, you know, we saw him at the Oregon at the opening, but really I got to know the family uh, when I went there in 2016 when I went Dwayne and left me some money. Dwayne, my former boss at the bowling alley, uh, really taught me everything I know about running the business. That's neither here nor there. Um, but he gave me a ton of money, and I got to go to Hawaii for a few weeks and uh, to lay low because he was in some trouble with the law. That's when I really got to know the back of the titles real well. And uh, that entire family, not just Tua, but Talia and Galu, all the – the whole clan they have over there. Um, so it was just uh, – that's really what I got to know the family. I'd really developed my relationship with Galu, as you saw in the, in the text message he sent out, that I was thanked for them. That's really because of uh, the weeks I spent with their family back in 2016. So uh, it was really a great trip, my first time out of the country. Uh, and I got – when I was there, I got to see some other big-time Hawaii prospects. So uh, it was a good trip, and that's really how I got to know the family. I wish, you know, I wish I had – I'm just a little, uh, little morose right now, Drew. Uh, it's hard to get me excited about. I'm just so sad about his career, what it could be. And I know, uh, like like you are, I'm, I'm praying for his quick recovery. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, whatever happened to Dwayne? We haven't talked about him in quite a while. Uh, well, uh, he, he disappeared for a while. He had to lay low. Uh, the FBI came after him, and he had to leave. And uh, that's you know, that's where I got all my – that's where I got my, my starter money. Uh to start my businesses, but uh, he had to leave. I'm not really supposed to say anything on where he is, but I'm pretty sure he's back in uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky. Uh, is where he is now. I can't say any more than that. Uh, you know, my wife, you know, you know, she loved Dwayne too, and they are real close. And uh, uh, you know, I, I might try to go find Dwayne one day, but right now I think it's best due to the statute of limitations that hasn't expired yet. 
for him to just stay, stay missing for a while. All right. Yeah, Dwayne, I know he really rescued you when you got fired from the golf course a few years ago. We, we played some sound, sound bites on that a few, a few podcasts ago. But, and now you are where you are. But uh, just to kind of for me to share some memories of Tua, I used to be a sports reporter for AL.com. I still cover some high school football games on Friday night. And I remember when Tua committed and he, uh, he announced his commitment about, I think it was the 6 o'clock news Hawaii time, which at the time it was 11 here. And so I had reached out to his family and he said, hey, if he commits to Alabama, could I get him on the phone? And so sure enough, uh, they, they told me just to hang tight. And about an hour and a half after he announced, you know, he called me up on the phone. So I did an interview with him about 1 in the morning. So that's probably the latest I've ever done an interview with anybody for what I can remember, but just, you know, couldn't be more polite. And I think that's how, uh, you know, very polished, just very entertaining to talk to. Had a chance to meet him at the opening that year, just such a nice kid. And saw also at the uh, U.S. Army All-American Bowl practices in San Antonio the next uh, few months. A few months after that, you know, talked to one of his uncles at those practices, just, just a tremendous family. You know, his younger brother, Tully, is, he's, a, he's a freshman at Alabama this year, and he's going to be the backup. So, you know, shifting gears, Mac Jones, it's going to be his show. You know, he started started the game at, against Arkansas. I thought he did pretty well there. I, Arkansas is obviously terrible. He's come on in relief in a couple of games when Tua got hurt against Tennessee, against Mississippi State. Didn't really do so hot, but then again, I also think that they just – dumbed it down a little bit, especially against Mississippi State. They wanted to just run the clock out. I don't think Mississippi State was in a hurry to to score either. Just didn't want to get any more guys hurt because they had some guys like Raekwon Davis, DJ Dale, Henry Ruggs get banged up. So it's been a really tough year for uh, for Alabama on the injury front. But Western Carolina this weekend at home, 11 a.m. ESPN. Auburn uh, on the road the, the next weekend to finish out the regular season on uh, CBS 230. Mark. Um, what are you expecting out of Mac Jones these last couple of weeks, you know, and, um, and uh, do you think, you know, Tua, do you expect to see Tua at these games? Well, yeah, you know, what you said about Mike Jones, I thought like you did, he looked fine against Arkansas, but he's going to go up against the best defensive line in the country and maybe the toughest stadium to play in the country in Auburn uh, in a couple of weeks. So it's going to be a real tough environment. I, I wish I knew how he was going to respond, but you can't really, tell those things until you get the player actually in there and see what they're all about, see what they're made of. So uh, as for Tua being at the game, currently working on him with his family to have a hospital bed on the sideline for Tua uh, so he could be a part of the team and lie there. And, you know, uh, he can talk to Mac Jones during the game if he sees something from the hospital bed. Uh, but that, we haven't got that clear yet. We're working on him, so uh, we're not totally sure right now. Uh, but Tua is hoping that he could be – at Jordan-Hare Stadium coming up here in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And so, flashback a little bit. When you compared Mac Jones and, and Tolia Tungavaloa when we talked about them when they committed Alabama, who were the recruits you compared them to? Or who were the previous quarterbacks you compared them to? Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up, Drew, because, you know, I take a lot of pride in my comparisons. I like to, you know uh, – and I'm going to say these, and you're going to say how, how right I was. And if you're in the audience listening, you're going to agree that uh, uh, this is this is a correct – these are correct comparisons for for Mac Jones. I compared him to uh, Gino Toretta. You remember Gino Toretta, Drew? Yeah, are we talking about the same Gino Toretta who uh, won the Heisman Trophy at Miami in '92? That's correct, Drew. Won the Heisman Trophy in 1992. Fantastic player. Really struggled in the NFL. I believe he's an attorney now. Uh, but I haven't talked to him in a while. I got to see him. Then talking about Talia Tagovailoa uh, to his little brother. I compared him, of course, to 
Colin Kaepernick, who we know from his uh, the great work he does on civil rights issues, uh, really just becomes a, a great leader, really a modern Martin Luther King. Uh, so maybe Talia can have the same type of social impact that Colin Kaepernick has had off the field. But when I see them on the field, I see them as the same player. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, me as well. So Alabama plays Western Carolina at home. And this 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 game holds a lot of significance for you because you broke the news several months before it was officially announced by, you know, by these FBSchedules.com doing their freedom of information release. You know, they had to do that to, to figure out who Alabama was playing in 2019. And you knew that well ahead of time. And then some other, you know, liberal media started – putting it out there as well, not crediting you. There were a couple that did. You know, Ryan Brown of WJOX mentioned you. FB Schedules embedded your tweet. Flashback to that day in September 2017, Mark, and how, how this news came together. Well, Western Carolina wanted to play Alabama and have that game set up. And, uh, I, you know, uh, the, the deal was that they wanted to play Alabama, but they really wanted, well, they really wanted to get on ESPN, not ESPN2 or View or – SEC Network Plus, whatever Eli Gold is on. The actual ESPN is what they want to be in. So I was able to broker that with my connections. And that's how I knew ahead of time the game was going to be announced. Uh, so uh, that's how I knew, Drew. You know, it's, uh, I, I wish I could say I'm surprised at how the liberal media treated me that day and really did not give me the credit that I deserved. Uh, but I can say that I, I really expect nothing less out of that. And I'm just glad I could do what I could for the, the people of Western Carolina. I know they're going to bring some fans down. I believe it's been almost 12 years since they last played Alabama. But uh, uh, they're excited about the game uh, and, and getting ready to get it going. I know Alabama fans don't look at it as a big game because they got Auburn next week. But uh, Western Carolina is a tough little team. So I think they're going to put up a pretty good fight on Saturday. They're not going to win, of course. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And so let me just flash back for everybody. This was the Jocks Radio bit where, where Ryan Brown credited Mark Jennings for breaking this news. So just take a listen. If you're an Alabama fan, I think you're yearning at this point in history when you've won five national championships in a short period of time to be playing the best of the best. Well, because you've beaten Michigan, you've beaten Clemson, Virginia Tech, you've beaten Florida State. You schedule these games, you find a way to win them, uh, most of these games aren't, aren't even close. And now you look at the out-of-conference schedule and you get nothing there. I mean, there's not even a challenge. Yeah, and like you said, we already knew it was going to be Duke, New Mexico State, and Southern Miss. And then yesterday, FB Schedules, which, by the way, is a really good website. We use it all the time on the show, so I don't mind giving them a little pub here. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, FB Schedules was the one that reported uh, – uh, that Alabama had added Western Carolina, fbschedules.com had learned. It's funny, later on in the story, they actually say, well, there's this guy named Mark Jennings on Twitter that reported this last summer, at Mark Jennings 55 <laughs> who tweets in all caps. So he's yelling at us all the time. Uh, but this Mark Jennings cat, back in September, reported this, so they eventually had to change their uh, sourcing. So according to Mark Jennings, Western Carolina is on Alabama's schedule. Okay, and so Mark, you know, it's going to be the last home game of the season. I know the alcohol-infused dipping Dots have been a, a huge success for you this year. Alabama lost to LSU, but I'm sure you didn't lose uh, with, with the cash flow with your dipping Dots, did you, for that game? Uh, no, LSU sales were fantastic, Drew. The Trump was by far the most popular flavor we had all year. So many women men, women uh, with their made, Make America Great Again hats bought the Dots and got the discount that we talked about on the podcast. So, I'm happy for them, and I hope they had a good time at the game, even though it probably didn't go out the way they wanted it to. But uh, yeah, it was fantastic sales. Made a lot of money that that day, Drew. 
Okay. Well, what's going to be your featured flavor of the week uh, for this last home game? Well, it's, it's, you know, we got a lot of things going on. So last week of the year, we want to be able to take it pretty easy and have a pretty easy flavor. And, and of course, we wanted to honor uh, Tua Baglatonga for all the work that he did. So uh, we're going to have the Tua this week. It's going to be the name of the special. It'll be a special, of course, it's pineapple flavored dipping dots. And we're going to have a shot of Bacardi pineapple rum. So you can get that. Come on and get it. It'll be last week in honor of Tua. Uh, or the special deal this week is, you know, Tua is a very religious, uh, spiritual kid. So uh, he really enjoyed attending. He attended the Church of the Highlands. So if you're a member of the Church of the Highlands, you're going to get a 13% discount on the Tua. So uh, have a good time coming to the game. Watch Alabama whip, off, whip up on an FCS team. Uh, come have, you know, if you're Church of the Highlands, come get your discount. Make sure to ask for it. We have lots of Church of the Highlands customers anyway. Uh, so they can come and get their 13% discount really, uh, you know, hopefully try to end the year the right way. Yeah, that's, that's a great way to honor some of your top business people, Mark. Um, so looking at the college football playoff rankings, Alabama is still fifth. They are behind Georgia, who's four, LSU one, Ohio State two, Clemson three. And then you have the two Pac-12 schools with one loss behind them. Oregon is six, Alabama, or Utah is seven. Penn State at eight, Oklahoma nine, Minnesota ten, and Alabama I think is still obviously going to need some help. And you know, assuming and I think so, maybe even a uh, with the loss if Georgia loses to LSU, you know, Oregon they did lose to Auburn in a neutral site, and Alabama winning over uh, Auburn if they're able to do that on the road will look better. That will look better compared to Oregon's resume. But then you, you might have to compare that to if Oregon beats Utah in the championship game. So. Both Oregon and Utah have a couple of opportunities left in the regular season to lose. Oklahoma, you really want to have them lose another game as well. And they've come close the last two weeks. Probably should have three losses. But, you know, a couple of years back, you broke the news, you know, 45 minutes before they announced that Alabama was going to be in the playoff ahead of Ohio State, and it happened. Do you think Alabama has a chance to get into the playoff this year, Mark? They have a chance. It's going to be tough, though. I think probably not at this point. You know, when I talk to my friends of the committee, they talk about all the texts they get from the media saying Alabama doesn't get in or doesn't deserve to get in. And they didn't deserve to get in even with two, and especially not now. So this type of the media uh, firestorm that's being created, they're trying to whip up the, uh, the committee and keep Alabama out. So it's going to be real tough for the committee to go against that. I'm not going to say who the media members are, of course. Uh, but we're talking, of course, like Dan Walken, uh, Nicole Auerbach, Tim Brando, Tom Luganville, uh, Jim Dunaway. Uh, Heather did it, of course. Uh, of course, I'm not going to say anything more about her, but Cecil, of course, was correct about her. And I'll just leave it at that, Drew. Okay. Well, it sounds like you're getting pretty fired up. So let's just move on to some Alabama basketball. We talked about three big-time prospects in our last podcast that Alabama was trying to sign. And uh, Namari Burnett signs with – Texas Tech, the guard, Isaiah Jackson to Kentucky. And the one you said that Alabama probably would get of the three was Keon Ambrose Hilton out of Canada. So uh, what what is Alabama getting with Keon Ambrose Hilton? I know you compared him to someone in the last podcast, but we could have another 50,000 new listeners on this podcast. So go ahead and just kind of compare him and tell us what Alabama's getting with him. Absolutely, Drew. You know, I think he could be an elite player. He's got the long arms. He's got a jumper. And he can guard anyone on the floor. Uh, so I think he's got a chance to be pretty special. Of course, last week on the podcast, I compared him to Kyle Singler, of course, the former Duke star. 
uh, now. Uh, had a fantastic career at Duke. And I, I see a lot of similarities between him and Keon Hilton Ambrose. So uh, you didn't say anything, Drew, but I'll mention, of course, you know, I get asked all the time about these players who are, who are you know, Alabama's trying to recruit, and I get criticized when, uh, you know, I say they're probably not going to go to Alabama. But I did this, of course, last week, and I ended up being completely correct about Namari Burdett and Isaiah Jackson. That's neither here nor there, Drew. Uh, I'll leave it at that. Let me say I think Alabama fans are pretty excited about Keon Ambrose Hilton. Yeah. Since he's from Canada, since he is from Canada, do you worry about any adjustments, you know, into the American game or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, it's a different game in Canada. They play the international rules. You got the paint that looks like a triangle up there. So that's going to be kind of weird for him to do. And, of course, you know, coming from Canada, he's going to have to adjust his diet. Uh, You know, we don't have the Canadian cuisine down here. They're a lot harder to find in Alabama. Plus, of course, you got the language factor you have to consider. Uh, he's going to have a struggle to understand English probably his first year, and it could be it could delay him uh, really getting better and really becoming an understanding of the American game. So uh, hopefully it all works out. Maybe they hope they develop some type of system to be able to communicate with him when he gets to Tuscaloosa. But uh, uh, Nate Oates, a smart guy, I'm sure he's going to figure that out. Yeah, Alabama is coming off a win over Furman. They're they're heading down to play in the Battle for Atlantis next week. It's going to be a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday event. And it's going to be tough. And Alabama, after this this uh, eighty one to seventy three win over Furman, they're going to open with North Carolina, and then they're going to play either Michigan or Iowa State, and then either uh, Gonzaga, Seton Hall, Oregon, or Southern Miss in that last game. So pretty much Southern Miss would be the only team that would be ranked lower than Alabama in the uh, in the tournament. It's going to be really tough, but hopefully Alabama can get a win out of there against somebody. What uh, what do you think Alabama's biggest? Uh, you know, when you think look at Alabama right now at two and two losses to Penn and Rhode Rhode Island, uh, not much depth, so many turnovers. I still think there's some talent on this team. But what do you think about Nate Oates' start so far? I think you're right. There's a lot of talent on this team, but it's pretty raw. And uh, you know, Coach Oates wants to play a lot differently than his predecessor did. So uh, I have talked to Coach Oates. Mostly, it's been about how I think he needs to have a little more respect for the game and respect for the officials and stop getting technical fouls, especially being a leader of these young men who are still impressionable at the age of 18, 19, 20. And I think he needs to be a better leader and get fewer technical fouls. That's mostly what I've talked to him about. I've talked to him enough about strategy, and he calls me all the time asking for advice. So uh, that's what I've talked to Coach Oates about. I know he's looking forward to going down to Bahamas, though, next week. Okay, and last of all, Alabama basketball-related, Jaden Shackelford, the 6'3 freshman guard out of Hesperia, California, He's been very impressive. Last night, he scores 25 points. We're recording this on Wednesday, so Alabama beats Furman on Tuesday. 25 points, a career high. He's second on the team in scoring at 15.8 points per game. Only five turnovers in these first four games, which is, you know, way behind, uh, you know, Kyra Lewis and Herb Jones. So he's doing really good there. But this is a guy who, you know, Alabama signed him, and they didn't go beat out Stanford and UCLA for him. His best offers, according to 24-7 sports, Kansas State, UNLV, UC Santa Barbara, San Francisco, and Long Beach State. Mark, uh, how much of an impact did you have on Jaden Shackelford signing with Alabama? Well, I first heard about him when I went to North California to scout Najee Harris, of course, and I went and heard about him and went and saw him scrimmage and uh, – uh, he was he's a fantastic player. I think that the knock against him was his competition that he had up in Northern California uh, wasn't that great. But I saw him and I passed his info along to the coach Petway uh, on staff, and he got him and started recruiting him. And uh, 
Now it's in Tuscaloosa. So I was glad I was able to help. I'm always looking, you know, I got into the business to help young men and get better opportunities. And uh, I'm glad I was able to do that with uh, Jaden Shackelford. All right. We will wrap up the podcast. We've got a lot of listener questions this week. Mark, tell everybody how they can find you on email, Twitter, social media. Absolutely, Drew. You can find me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at MarkJennings55. That's one word, at MarkJennings55. You can find me there. Uh, I love to, uh, interacting with the fans on Twitter, being able to share whatever insights I have on Twitter. So uh, that's really my favorite way of communicating. If you want, you can email me as long as we still have the email subscription. I don't know if we paid the subscription or not. I have to talk to somebody. But we got the subscription set. We've got the email set up at markbreaksdownfilm at AOL.com. It's one word. That's markbreaksdownfilm at AOL.com. You can find me there or you can find me on Twitter. Either one is fine. Uh, I look forward to hearing from you guys every week. You guys have fantastic questions. All right. You can find me on Twitter at Drew Champlin, C-H-A-M-P-L-I-N. But uh, it doesn't really matter so much about me as it does Mark. But we hear from uh, at Josh Dub underscore his his Twitter handle is or his Twitter name is To Hell with Georgia. Mark, do you regret giving advice to the LSU athletic department when they consulted you about lifting Coach Orgeron's interim tag, and when they consulted you about hiring Joe Brady? Well, you know, I, I appreciate the question. I don't really have a team. I don't regret giving advice to anybody. And like I just said, I, I do this for the players and the success that they have and, and hope to give them the best opportunity to succeed. So, uh, no, I don't regret it. And, you know, I knew I, I knew that Joe Burrow, with the proper guidance, could be a Heisman candidate. And, frankly, I, I knew that he had the opportunity to be a number one overall draft pick if he had the right people around him. Uh, Joe Brady being one of those people. And I think Coach Orgeron's a fantastic coach. And frankly, he was fired from Ole Miss when he shouldn't have been. He got fired because of his weight, because of his appearance. And uh, I think that's pretty disgusting. And, you know, you look at Ole Miss now, I'm sure they'd love to have Ed Orgeron back. But uh, that was a long time ago, Drew, and they made mistakes. I know that what uh, their loss at LSU's game. All right. We hear from Burger Bob 89 at Burger Bob 891. And he asks, Mark, what is your favorite Neil Young song? I don't know who that is, or who is Neil Young again? He's a musician. Yeah, I don't. I don't listen to music, Drew. That's that's. Uh, I don't have time to do that. Uh, appreciate the question, Burger Bob. But this is a recruiting podcast. Uh, but thank you, thank you for listening. All right. Uh, we hear from Clack at Josh Clackler. Mark, I live in dangerous Hoover. What advice do you have for me to stay safe? Drew, I, we got to get the intern back, Drew, to start, uh, you know, reading these questions and, and, and checking and make sure they're being – well, I've answered what to do in Hoover about it. How many times have we talked about this, Drew? Uh, about every other podcast on average. Yeah, we, I mean, I mention it all the time. I don't know what you want me to do. I mean, my advice you to stay safe is don't live in Hoover anymore. I've said this a thousand times. Live somewhere safe, you know, Inslee, Fairfield. Uh, and lots of safe places you can live in Birmingham compared to Hoover. So you got to get out of Hoover. That's all I can tell you. Don't live there anymore. All right. Uh, Jason Robinson at Jason Robinson 12. He says, Mark, I know you and Mr. Greg Byrne are close. With his contract extension, have you discussed Coach Saban's exit strategy and next coaching hire? I figured you'd probably already know. Well, the only person that knows Coach Saban's exit strategy is Coach Saban. So, uh, nobody knows that except for him. Uh, whatever that, that fire that, that he has gets extinguished, we'll see. Um, 
Honestly, I think if Alabama would have won the national championship this year, I think this might have been his last year. That's my personal opinion. But uh, it's coming pretty soon. As soon as the next coaching hire is, I certainly don't envy Greg Byrne having to hire the coach that comes after uh, Nick Saban because I believe he's not going to have that same type of success. So um, I, I, I do have some ideas uh, as to who that's going to be, but I can't really release that at this point uh, when Coach Saban – uh, retires and, and heads off to the lake, as he said. We'll, we'll broach that subject again. Okay. And uh, we hear from Jonathan Warburton, and he asks, where do you suggest Heisman winner Joe Burrow go to get his victory meal after he's handed the trophy? Well, uh, Jonathan, thank you for your question. I appreciate you uh, answering the question. I hope you're related to my favorite actor, who is, of course, Patrick Warburton. Uh, what really the one of the great comedic actors of our generation, uh, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, you know, whenever I'm in New York and I'm in Times Square again, you know me and I like my good meals and my nice cuisine. I like to treat myself. Uh, there's not a better place you can find. You know, I guess you can infer from what I say is I love seafood a lot. But uh, I love going to Bubba Gump Shrimp when I'm in New York, Drew. I love the fact you know I love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies. Uh, I think it's just a, a fantastic restaurant. I love the decor. I love the atmosphere. How happy they are to uh, to see you. And uh, I, I just have a great time. And frankly, uh, you know, if there's a, I'm lucky there's a bubble, not a bubble gum trip near where I live, but I'd be there every day. All right. Uh, we we end the podcast with this important question from Paul T. Graham on Twitter. Mark, since you were obviously right about Joe Burrow winning this year's Heisman Trophy long before the liberal media hopped on his bandwagon, who do you think will be the holder of the year now that Tua is seemingly out of the running? Paul, that is a great question. You know, I don't get asked enough about special team nearly enough in my pot on this podcast, but frankly, it's it's my favorite position to talk about. And I and I look at a lot of holders, and uh, frankly, I don't think there's a better holder in the country than a player out of Terre Haute, Indiana. Uh, on the western side of Indiana, near the Illinois border, there's a there's a federal penitentiary there, Drew. You know that they got a bunch of federal prisoners there. Anyway, he's out of that city. Uh, Indiana State wasn't able to keep him in town. He didn't become a sycamore, but he went over and he decided to join the armed forces. And he's the holder for uh, the West Point, the Army Black Knights of the Hudson. Uh, just a fantastic holder, Drew. I think he's got some NFL potential as a holder. Uh, if he wants to go that route, but I know he's interested in serving our country first. Of course, I'm talking about Zach Potter, Drew. Uh, really the best holder, and frankly, if there wasn't so much media bias in the country towards quarterbacks and offensive skill players, you'd hear, well, he'd be a household name uh, throughout the college football world. But that's that's the world we live in, Drew. Uh, but Zach Potter is the runaway winner for holder of the year. Yeah, that that's kind of who I thought you might you might gear your answer to. Um, but that's a great way to end this podcast, uh, Mark. I will be at the Hoover at Thompson game on Friday night, covering that game. Uh, w- w- do you plan on going to a game Friday? I haven't looked at it yet. I was looking at uh, Hoover and Thompson going to that, but I might find a smaller game to go to go to this Friday night. So we're we'll have to see. Uh, I haven't really gotten my schedule set up yet. I really usually do that on Thursday. So I'll find I'll know by tomorrow, Drew, and I'll let you know. Perfect. Well, that'll wrap up this edition of the Champs Corner featuring Mark Jennings' podcast. Please find us, search, uh, rate us, subscribe. Please rate us five stars on Apple and tell your friends to do that. And, uh, Mark, thanks again for joining me this week. As always, Drew, I hope to do it again soon. All right, we'll talk to you guys later. 